you go online, you hear everything, but people say like, you're finding a job should be your full-time job. And I always lament that on this podcast. Cause I'm like, you really think that you could be your own boss and not drive yourself insane for eight hours a day. Welcome back to the Career Therapy Podcast, where we explore the emotional and promotional sides of the job search in order to help you build your career with a cool, calm confidence. My name is Martin McGovern, career and mental health coach and founder of Career Therapy, an all-inclusive coaching program to support you through moments of intense professional stress. I'm excited to welcome Jeff Perry to the podcast. Jeff is the founder of More Than Engineering, where he serves as a leadership and career coach for engineers and technical professionals, helping them make intentional career upgrades. He loves helping people level up their mindset, get clarity, and execute on their biggest goals. Today, we discuss the question, what do I want to be when I grow up? Which we hear from both younger and older people alike. While exploring this topic, we touch on imposter syndrome, ideas around fake it till you make it, career clarity, ignoring the shoulds in life, and how to navigate the subjective disconnect that comes with untethering our imagination from reality. If you are enjoying this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes or share this episode with a friend. And if you need help in your job search, head to careertherapy.com to learn about our coaching options. And without further ado, here's my convo with Jeff Perry. Jeff, thanks so much for joining us today. Martin, glad to be here. Yeah. Um, so we, we are tentatively titling this episode, uh, What Do I Want to Be When I Grow Up? It's a question that I've heard so many times recently and I know has come up in your practice quite a bit. Uh, and I, I'd love to just kick things off and get a sense of, you know, who are the typical people that you're working with and what are the questions that they have most top of mind when they when they reach out to you? Yeah, so glad to be here, Martin. And it's it's fun. I get to serve, I founded a company called More Than Engineering, and I get to serve primarily engineering and technology professionals. It's kind of the, the niche because I have a, an engineering technology background myself. And so sometimes engineers are weird. They like to talk to someone who kind of knows where they've been and, and been there in their shoes a little bit. And so what a, a lot of people that I work with to answer this question are in some way or form unsatisfied with their current career situation, okay? And that can take a lot of different forms, but sometimes it's just like what we were talking about titling this, this episode, like, hey, I've been doing things for a few years, but I still don't really know where I wanna go or what I wanna be when I grow up. <laughs> and, and that's kind of a high level thing. I've had other people are like, hey, I'm trying to find my happy place in my career, but I don't know what that is or what that looks like. Others are like, I know that I'm unhappy where I'm at now because they feel like they're getting stuck or they reach some sort of plateau in their current position. They don't see a growth opportunity or something like that. And just like, how do I figure out what that next step even is? Because engineers can take so many different directions in their career. And really it's not just engineers. Anyone can take so many different directions in their careers and figuring out how do we make the best choice we can right now in this moment and work towards what we want to become in the future is a tough thing to do, but it's worth doing that work and exploring that if we want to have happy, fulfilled careers and 
really lives. Absolutely. Well, and, you know, it brings me to a question that has come up quite a bit in my group coaching, which is um, an unfortunate question, I think. Uh, people will sort of, you know, vent or lament and, and, and put everything out there, which definitely encourage, uh, you got to get it out of your head somehow, but then, then they kind of just look up and go, okay, there's everything. What's the answer? What's, what's the thing I should do. And I, I always find that to be such an interesting question. Cause you know, I mean, there are clear cut things you could do, right? Like, I mean, coaches have a toolbox. We have tons of things we could recommend you do. Um, but we don't necessarily have answers, right? We don't have like, oh, you should absolutely take this job and not that job. And I mean, we could call it red flags all day, but uh, I'm curious, have you gotten that sort of um, pressure to give people a solid answer versus having them come up with answers on their own? And how do you navigate um, those conversations? And because you, you want to empower people, right? So how, how do you not take away that decision-making power from them and actually empower them to make decisions when they feel like there's too many directions and they don't know how to make a choice. Yeah. And that's a tough place to be in from a coach standpoint, because I think you would probably agree that what we would rather do as coaches, like you said, is empower people to make those decisions. Cause what they do when, when people are making those decisions, they take ownership of that. And sometimes if they're pushing that decision to someone else, like a coach or a mentor or someone else to make that decision, and they don't really own that. And so if something doesn't go right, then they're like, oh, yeah, well, someone else told me to do that. It was bad advice. And, and I blame them instead of taking personal ownership for your career. So always want to empower people to, to make those decisions and take ownership of their life and their career for what they want to get out of it. Right. And the coach is there to help and, and guide them. So I have had occasionally people who who will attempt to do something like that, you know, try and get me to, to point the things out. Sometimes what I will do to try and help them do that from my side is I can recognize as they're talking about different options and things, I do attempt to share with them how I notice the ways that they're talking about different options and the way that their excitement level goes up or down or sideways and things like this. And the way they're talking about it. So I just sort of noticed that and, and will sometimes share that with them, not to give them an answer, but to say, hey, I notice that when you're talking about this potential option, the way you're doing that, it just gets you really excited. Does that resonate with you? That, that feel good? And I, and I don't give them that answer like, hey, that's the way you want to go. But I do try and give them what I can as a third party observer as they're talking about different things. Uh, some insights and things. And I always have more questions to ask them to dive deeper. And that's some of the things that I hope we talk more about in our conversation today is really how do we get this idea of career clarity is something I work with people a lot. How do we get clarity about where we want to go, what we want to do, and why? What is it? And why is that so important? How do we move through that in, in the various moments of our lives as we continue to make these decisions? Yeah, I love that. I like that third party observer piece that you just mentioned too, because it really is kind of, it's kind of like being a mirror and we're, but we're a mirror that's listening and, and, and listening to what you said 20 minutes ago and connecting it to what you're saying now, because a lot of times the clients are in stream of consciousness and, you know, being able to sort of suss that out is, is really helpful for them. And, you know, I, I do think that it's, it's, it's tough to, I mean, it's almost like marketers have a hard time marketing themselves, right? It's hard to do, even if you're capable of doing the work, it's hard to do it on yourself. And that's why it's good to engage with coaches or therapists or, 
you know, whatever the, the flavor is that you're going after. But this idea of career clarity that you bring up, it's totally central, right? And uh, let's, let, I guess let's start with what, what obscures clarity? What gets in the way of people feeling clear? Let's start there and then maybe we can work our way over to things that we can do to gain a little bit more clarity. Yeah, Martin, I think you mentioned some of those things is like sometimes working on ourselves is some of the things that obscures clarity, like getting out of our own heads. I think about analysis paralysis. When we when we look at all the potential directions we could take and we want to have all the options in front of us, and then some and then we get to the place where the amount of options and the directions we can take just overwhelm us, then we get to that overwhelming state and we don't even take any action to move forward. And and also like fear is a huge thing that can drive people to uh, not take action and, and obscure this thing. We feel like if we have this fear, if we make the wrong choice about taking this job or that job or trying to go to a different role or a different industry, or we fear sometimes that if we make the wrong choice, that it's going to devastate the rest of our lives in one way or another. And that, that fear can then lead us to then actually, it, it can actually make things worse rather than uh, being driven by more by the opportunity. And it's not to say that all fear is bad, right? I, um, I'm not one who's going to say that, that all fear is bad, but, but if fear cripples us from taking action, then that's when fear becomes un unhelpful. Whereas th there is absolutely a dose of healthy fear that's supposed to be protecting us from, from dangers, right? But, but when fear cripples us from taking action, then and that's when it becomes unhealthy or unhelpful, right? And so these are just some of the things that can cripple us or, or make it hard to get that clarity. And, and it's not, when I talk about clarity, even defining like what it is, sometimes even understanding what, what it is or what it could be, can also obscure things like what we're not going to be able to do most likely is it's not going to turn into like this magical treasure map where we're going to map up the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years of our life and career and have every step along the way with X marks the spot and here's the perfect path to get there. That's not what I'm saying either. But can we get to the point where we can understand maybe more like a North Star? I know the direction where I'm headed. I have this guiding light to, to take me. Also, another analogy I like to use sometimes is like, can you get clear on the things that are really most important to you? So when you are analyzing or looking at different options or roles or interviews that you're in and companies that you might want to work for, can you use that as a set of filters? And do they, do they meet those criteria? Those things that you've identified are really important to you in terms of values work-life balance. Certainly there's compensation pieces and things that might be important to you at your stage of life. All the other factors in line, can you, can you get clear on those things so that you can run that as a filter so you can focus in on things that, that meet those criteria and not waste any time on things that don't, right? And those filters, those things can change. Uh, clarity, you know, our idea of clarity now will change in, in a year and five years from, from now, and that's okay. It, it's not a one-time piece of work that we do to get clarity. We continue to iterate through this as we go through our lives and careers. Yeah, I like that. And because really at the end of the day, it's confidence. Clarity is also wrapped up in confidence, right? It's like, sure. I'm clear on what I need to do next. 
and I'm confident I'll figure it out once I get to that next place, right? Like yes. first, like a resume and then the interview and then the negotiation and then the job. And once I'm in that job, I need to gain clarity on where this job is going and then what's after it and so on and so forth. So mm -hmm. it is constantly changing. And um, I'm glad that you brought up the values piece because, um, you know, when it comes to values or work-life balance or compensation, I always, I would like to break it down to these like three P's of pay, people, and position. How do you prioritize these things? Um, do you want the most money right now? If you had those three options in front of you, one had the most money, one had the best people, and one had the exact right role, which would you put at the top of the list? And that helps people clarify things a little bit. But I do think that this clarity thing is so tough because we're not really, I, I think people want to be a static human that doesn't change with mm, a static emotion yeah. that never changes and a static career that never changes. But then you talk to someone who's been in a job that's been pretty stable and static and all they can talk about is how it's boring and they want out, right? And right. so we're in this like constant state of flux. And I actually had a call with someone this morning and they said, uh, you know, I just need to find the right ratio between like my work and my like self work. And I go, a perfect ratio. That's, I mean, the ratio changes day to day, week to week, year to year you know, it's, there's never going to be a, a static ratio. You can't just say, I'm going to spend this many hours doing this and this many hours doing that. And it'll never change forever. Right. And I think that's one of the, it's one of the sort of societal things that we're dealing with. Right. It's like this, this concept that there is one, there is this like end point that if we could just get mm -hmm. to this end point, everything works itself out and everything is fixed and everything is fine. But you know, you, you see people get to these fixed points and then all they see ahead of them is another, another thing. Right. It's like, I, I think this morning they said, I just want to be like, I think if I could just get these things set, I'll be happy. I'm like, yeah, you'll be happy for today. And then tomorrow morning, you're going to wake up and have a new goal. And then you're going to be unhappy that you haven't hit that goal yet. So accepting those things, I think is also really important. How have you seen acceptance play into the way that you work with people and, and how they've kind of come to understand themselves and their careers. Yeah, what you're talking about, I see all the time. And, and one of the words or concepts that it makes me think of is this idea of like, we have this drive for certainty. Like we want to know, like we don't want to deal with uncertainty. It makes me think of a, a quote, um, a psychologist by the name of Virginia Satir uh, decades ago. He said, many of us prefer the certainty of misery to the misery of uncertainty, right? I and think that. about that for a moment. Like, you know, like I, I would rather be in something that I know that, I, that I'm comfortable with, even if it's miserable <laughs> sometimes rather than stepping out into the unknown and dealing with that uncertainty. For, for some, that's another big roadblock to this process, which we want to know what's on the other side. But the truth is, is that we can't explore all options truly until we actually play them out, but we can only really play one direction of life at a time. It's just the realities that we need to deal with, right? And so recognizing that we need to embrace some of this uncertainty and let our lives and our careers emerge and one way I like, and because I talk to engineers a lot, right, uh, they sometimes like this analogy of thinking of our careers and our lives as a set of experiments or prototypes, 
right? So each stage is another prototype. When you make a prototype, it's not just to, uh, you're creating it for the purpose of collecting data. You're trying to get feedback and things like this, right? Or you're running an experiment, you're trying to collect data. You have a hypothesis, you think something might work, run the scientific method, you collect data, you see, hey, how did that match up against my hypothesis? Well, when you run an experiment, which could be making a career change, or you can run smaller experiments where they say, hey, in my current job, could I raise my hand and try a side project or, or a new solution? Can I try something outside of my normal work? We can run smaller experiments and it doesn't need to be a huge shift, but can we run these experiments or prototypes at different stages of our life and collect data? That it's a data collecting experience to say, hey, and so that, that's a positive thing. And if you find out that you don't like something, that's totally fine. You've collected that data and now you can learn from that. You, you can still learn from that experience and take those new skills that you delivered. I think about me early in my career, I, I majored in mechanical engineering, but then I tried software for a few years. I realized that sitting down and writing code all day was just not my thing mm -hmm. and that's okay. And, and I, but I learned a lot through that experience. And now I can talk to people who are in the software development world uh, because of that experience. I understand agile and scrum and scoping out requirements for, for products and some of the, the challenges and opportunities. I, I can talk through that. And I'm really grateful for that experience, even though that wasn't the right, you know, career path for me, that was totally fine, but I can take the value out of that. And I learned that as I took it, you know, what I liked and didn't like and into my next thing and my next thing. Right. And so, you know, the, these different things we're, we're continuing to learn and, and grow through our lives and experiences, we need to accept that and, and have more of a growth mindset of like, Hey, every opportunity is a learning opportunity. Yeah. And you know, I, what you said there about what you run an experiment, you find out you don't like it. Most people say, well, then I failed. I failed. I tried something and I failed. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Maybe whatever. Moving on to the more productive way to look at it. We, learned that you don't want that or that you don't like that. And I always say to people, if they don't know what they want, let's start with what you absolutely don't want, right? Like, let's start with the things you absolutely hate. Cause I'll get someone and they'll say, <laughs> I'll say, where do you want, like, what kind of company do you want to work at? Any kind of company, what kind of role, any kind of role, what kind of, what kind of industry, any kind of industry. And it's like, that's not actually true. Right. Right. And <laughs> when, when people and back, I used to always be like, well, who's the political person you dislike? Oh, here's the person. All right. Do you want to work for them? Gosh, no. And I go, then you have opinions. All right. Let's start with your, <laughs> let's, maybe you're just avoiding your opinions, avoiding your emotions because they're potentially too strong. Or, you know, I was talking to someone and they said that they would always choose money over things that they liked because they assumed that if they went after what they liked, that they would make less money. Um, and obviously that's not always the case. Right. And so trying to open people up to those different ways of looking at things. And, and I think one of the biggest things to pull from here is this idea that like, you know, someone will say to me, oh, I have so many different ways I could go so many different options. And the truth is, you probably you do have a lot of options, but you probably don't have as many options as you think. And the like, you know, I was chatting with someone the way like, I could do any of like 50 different jobs. I'm like, yeah, but not in a reasonable time with a reasonable income to pay your rent. And so, <laughs> you know, and so these are things where it's like, we want to explore different opportunities. We want to test things and experiment. And we also want to eliminate options. And part of that eliminating of options, I think is kind of realizing that 
you know, the choices we've made up to this point have actually already limited us in some ways. And that can be helpful to someone who's super overwhelmed, who thinks everything is a possibility. It's like, maybe I could be an artist or a teacher or go into finance. And I'm like, you know that there's some bumpers on this bowling alley that we can play with. So what are, what are your thoughts around um, trying to help people? Because we as coaches, we want to expand people's options, but we also want them to make a decision. So it's this constant like sort of push and pull between expansion and, and pulling back. How do you sort of balance those two different areas in your work? Yeah, it makes me think of the, the idea is like, you can do anything, but you can't do everything, oh. right? So you could do any of those things, right? But you can't do all of them all at once. And because, you know, uh, yeah, it's just, you can't do everything all at once. It, it, it's impossible. And so we do need to make choices, right? And so finding those, those, those bumpers that you say, or, um, or, or other things that can hone our, our focus, at least for now, and and even saying like, hey, maybe where I want to go or something that's really interesting to me isn't possible today or to at least do full time. Like if there's something you want to do, you can create parameters around what can I do now that can do anything to help me build that for the future. And if, if not in a full-time role or, or something that I can do right now, then maybe there's other learning things I can do on this side to move me towards that if that's what I want to do. So you do need to exist within realities. We do need to say, hey, I have some responsibilities. If you have a family to take care of or something like that, like you need to pay rent or pay the mortgage and, and some things like that. Like we need to find something that we can do now. Ideally, we wanna make that as optimized as possible for um, our current situation and what we care about but also what we want to build towards. And so like, like, yes, like you're talking about, you know, some things like we do have opinions. Um, what do you not want to do? Sometimes that's easier for people to, to start with, but I do think it's much more powerful of a place to be in, in terms of setting goals and reaching towards things we want to become is to move, not just away from something that we don't want. Cause I, I find people are in that situation a lot when they're coming to a coach or something like this like hey i don't like where i'm at and i'm unhappy for x y and z reasons okay and i got to get out of here but i don't want people to just say okay i got to get out of here we're just going to get something new mm -hmm. i do want people to identify what they want to move towards because moving towards rather than moving away is a much stronger place to be mentally and emotionally um, and, and builds more of that confidence so that they know where they're headed. And it's, again, it's not to say that you can draw exactly a straight line to it uh, immediately. If there's something you want to try out, but we can identify what are some of the potential steps along the way that we might need to take to, to get there. We interrupt today's episode to let you know about career therapies, unstuck coaching program. If you're feeling paralyzed by job search procrastination and unsure of what to do next in your career, we're here to help. Each month as a member, you will get access to two one-on-one -on -one coaching calls, unlimited virtual chat with your coach via Slack, invitations to bi-weekly group coaching sessions, and lifetime access to our eight-part job search curriculum. Want to take your search to the next level? Head over to careertherapy.com and schedule a free 15-minute consultation to chat with me today and see if coaching is right for you. 
Now back to our show. I really like that. It's almost that anchoring between heaven and hell, right? It's like, <laughs> you know what you're getting away from, but also know what you're running toward. Otherwise you might run right back into another fire, right? And uh, right. we do see that all the time. We'll see someone be like, oh, I want to get out of this agency or I want to get out of this company. And they just run right back to another company. It's kind of like, yeah. you know, people in relationships, they leave one relationship and get right back into the exact same one with a different person, right? Um mm. We also see if you don't have a clear idea of what you're moving towards, you might end up just falling back. Um, and I had someone say this to me recently. They're like, um, oh, you know, I can't really figure out what I want to do next. So maybe I'll just go back to my old job. And I was like, wait a second. There's a reason you left that job. Maybe we lost right. sight of that reason. It's like, I, I see this like thought going through your head real quick, but let's pause and, and reinstate what exactly it was that you know, you were struggling with and, and open things up. And I do think that this well, going brings, back to that yeah. certainty of misery idea, like, because they know it, but they want that certainty because dealing with the uncertainty of the current moment is just so hard for them. Totally. Oh my gosh. It's so, and, and it's also this, like, you know, when we do look at the future, I think when people say they have so many options and that they don't know what they want to do next, really, they're just they don't want to decide on something because then they actually have to take action on it. Right. <laughs> and, and if I, if I say, uh, I, I really want this in my life, then there's a potential to fail at achieving it. If I never commit to it, well, then I'm never going to fail. Right. And so, um, and part of this is also wrapped up in, um, social pressures around success and what people think they should look like in the world. And, you know, I talked to a number of people recently who, when we really dug into their motivations, I was like, what exactly is your motivation here? And they're like, well, you know, my sibling is really successful and I want to be that successful or my friends are all very successful and I want to be that successful. And we dug into it more and more and, you know, the sibling had actually burnt out in, in their job as a lawyer and ended up becoming a school teacher. And. Uh, I was like, is anyone actually pressuring you? Like, is anyone treating you differently? Is anyone like, is anyone judging you for the life that you have? And they're like, no, but, and, and that, but, you know, that, but holds so much. And I'm curious, like when, when you're dealing with um, all the various factors that influence someone's psychology, as you're working with them, how do you help them navigate the many different voices and the shoulds that are in their head? Yeah. So, so you use the word should. I, I had a friend tell me uh, a couple of years ago and I, and I've loved it ever since. It's like, sometimes we say should, should, should. He said, don't should on yourself. <laughs> like, <laughs> and so I, I, I really like that. Like we say, oh, I should have done this or I should have done that. And like, whatever, like don't should on yourself so much. <laughs> and and that, that comparison and social media, you know, makes it, you know, uh, harder because we only see the best of, of everyone. And we, we compare that to the worst of ourselves often right? Um, from a psychological standpoint. And so that, that makes it hard and family, friends, you know, people we graduated with and we look at them and what they're doing, whatever. First of all, recognize you don't know what everything's going on. Second of all, like if someone's doing well, congratulations to them. Don't, don't look at that as a knock on you. Like, can we celebrate other people and their success? Like, that's a good thing. Like we want other people to be happy. It's okay. Like that doesn't need to make you feel bad about yourself. Uh, hopefully we can look at that as a, as an opportunity and, um, because, but taking that negative comparison doesn't, doesn't do any, any good for us or them or, or anyone else around us. But I think 
you know, saying like, okay, like maybe there were some decisions that, that we look back on and, and we have regret. Um, sometimes we, we have this idea of like, hey, we want to live without regrets. Okay, sometimes that can be okay. I, I actually read a, a few months ago, the book by Daniel Pink, who's, who's written a number of books, The Power of Regret, and how regret is not a bad thing. Like regret it, it gives us this opportunity to, to learn and grow. Um, if there's something that we did that we regret, well, instead of like suppressing that thing, like, oh, that sucks, like, hey, can I learn from that experience? Like, that, that's part of life. We make mistakes and, and we learn from it, and that's okay. But the empowering way to look at it is like, what can I do from here? Instead of feeling like fixed, like, hey, I, I, I failed once, that means I'm always going to be a failure. And that's not true. Uh, it doesn't have to be true. Anyway, if we can get the, the help and the support and, and really come to believe in ourselves and start taking appropriate action as we move forward. That's, that's what breaks my heart as much as anything when I talk to people is they get to that point where they feel like they've tried and tried and failed. And they just kind of give up and they're like, what's the point? And and that's a tough place to see someone in, whether that's a client or a, or a friend or or family member or anyone else. Um, and so, you know, that that's one of the reasons why we need people who who care about us, who support us in our lives. That these changes, the you know, life in general is not meant to be lived alone, and, and we need to have that support uh, from people around us to help us through the, the the good times and the bad times as we move through it. Yeah. And that, that feeling of what's the point, right? Um, that's so deep and trying to help people rediscover what the point is for them is mm. personally good for them, obviously mentally good for them, also professionally good for them. Cause there is a point, like they wouldn't have come to coaching if there wasn't a point. Right. And I think we just get lost in it and we get caught up in these emotions, these feelings of failure. And I'm, you know, you, you brought up that really heavy piece of failure. Right. And, you know, I even get some folks who there's the folks that feel like they failed, but then there's folks who are just like, the regrets are things that were totally out of their control. It's like, I was sick yeah. or we moved or something happened with my family or I'm, right. you know, I had to immigrate or whatever the thing is. And like, even those things almost feel like it's their fault, the way that they talk about yeah. it. Um, and it's one of the toughest parts to maybe get into as a coach, because there's boundaries of, of how deep you can go and things like that. Mm -hmm. But it all does impact it because it impacts the motivation and it impacts the drive and it impacts the excitement that they can bring to things. And, you know, a huge part of the job search is networking, but how do you network when you feel this way? Right. How do you yeah. go out and have an engaging conversation with someone if you really aren't feeling like you yeah. even deserve a job at yeah. a certain point? Or if you feel like you've been hurt by other people or harassed in the workplace, you're like, how do I trust anyone, you know, to really like build a reasonable professional relationship in that way when, when you've been hurt in the past in, in some cases. So again, some things that are out of your control, um, but, but it, it creates that fear and that, that anxiety around, you know, why would I want to do this? What's the mm -hmm. point? Well, and that let's dig into that more because I do think that a lot of, I mean, this is career therapy, right? So a lot of people who are listening are dealing with the heavy emotions, right? And yeah. it's, I think it's so interesting because we've, 
got probably overlapping, but different kind of audiences. And I think you mm-hmm. had your, the engineering stuff that you talked about earlier, I think is really fascinating and the hypothesis and test. And, and I don't think that most professions are kind of built with that mentality of like, everything is a test. Everything is an experiment. I think most professions are right or wrong. It's binary. Everything is binary. And being able to get into the gray and being okay with the things that are happening in the gray, I think is a really important step for people to get to because that's where you can start pushing on the boundaries, right? If it's either failure or success, there's no room for error, right? Mm -hmm. If it's, I job searched today perfectly or I didn't do enough, that is, it just builds and builds and builds. So, you know, what are some other maybe differences that you've seen in engineering populations or maybe even similarities um, in the way that they approach these problems with maybe a little bit more of a a technical mindset? Yeah, and and recognize, I I don't think that engineers necessarily do this naturally better than than anyone else because it's, it's using my own example. So I got into engineering. I knew from when I was an early teenager that I wanted to be an engineer. I was I had some natural tendencies towards math and science and stuff. People were like, hey, engineering could be a great fit for you. And I was like, okay, cool. I looked in what some of the things I could do. Oh, I can work on cars and airplanes and spaceships and stuff. Like that's that's possibly, okay, cool. I decided, I think I was in ninth grade that I want to be a mechanical engineer. Never changed my major and all that stuff. But one of the things I really loved about it uh, or, or loved about math and science classes and things like that is that there was always that right or wrong answer. Like if I was right, and I was and I was good at it naturally, um, so so I was right a lot, and I really liked that feeling. And if I was wrong, I could easily see why. But on the contrast, me personally, I see this in a lot of engineers and other people too. Sometimes the creative pieces, writing, um, art, and and some things like that. I, I say I said, hey, this is subjective. Someone just is going to give their opinion and going to give me a grade on this. Like that's that's hard for me, and so I actively avoided those things for years, Mm. uh, for a long time, because I wanted to know if I was going to do something that there was a right or wrong answer and I could fix it if if I was wrong. Whereas if I was just getting someone else's opinion, that was much harder for me or subjective, but come to find out life is a lot more subjective than objective. Like I liked when I was, when it was easy in school. Right. And so I find that a lot of engineers uh, are like that. And that's some of the things that they really like. And so one of the things that they struggle with then in getting into these life decisions is that when it comes to themselves, they do still kind of see that in binary, they, they focus on themselves, even when they're working on a, a project or a product that's maybe easier, but they don't always apply those same principles to themselves, right? Like the decisions that I make about me, like running an experiment, which is why I try and connect them with those ideas that they can relate with, they understand, try and bring that uh, closer to them. But, but it is hard uh, for so many people, uh, just one concept that can help as we're trying to navigate through um, failures and opportunities and how we're growing and, and things through life. Um, I, I really loved a, a book uh, that was written um, a year or so ago um, by a psychologist by the name of Benjamin Hardy in partnership with Dan Sullivan, who is an entrepreneurship coach. Um, and it's called The Gap and the Gain. And it's this idea that so often in our lives, we focus so much on the gap, 
okay? The gap between where we are today and this ideal person or situation that we wish that we were in, that, that, that we think that, that we think could be possible, right? And so we're focusing for, so much on this gap. It's like this feeling of lack uh, that we're in. And it's almost like you're climbing a mountain. You've been climbing for, for hours or days, if anyone's ever gone on a long hike a day, uh, and you've been going for hours, and then you look up at, at where you're headed at, at the peak, and you're like, oh my gosh. I still have so much more to go. And I've been working so hard and I still see that there's so much more to go. But then you turn around and you look down at where you come from, like down in the valley, like that's that's the opportunity to look at the gain. Like look how far you've come compared to where you used to be. Can we spend some time recognizing, and this is you know connecting with the, the research around gratitude and things as well, like looking at the wins, the progress, the opportunities, the good people we've met, the things that we've learned, all these things. We need to spend some time looking at the gain that we've uh, that we've looked at as well, and and look at potential opportunities in the future. Is like, hey, th this may or may not work out, but can I look at this as an opportunity to get some more gain and progress, no matter what that looks like, too. So it's just one one principle that I've used to sometimes when people are in that really low spot. Um, we, we even designed like a, a little activity to, to say, hey, let's just spend some more time in the game and, and see how we can look at the, the progress. And I do that for myself on a, on a regular basis now, ever since I learned about it. Um, and it helps me kind of crawl out of some, some negative times that I'm in. Yeah. Well, and I, I think people don't always realize like, you know, coaches, therapists, anyone who's trying to help you is also going through stuff. And like, that is <laughs> <That's>, we're all humans <laughs> it's like all these things that we do that that people feel in their careers it's like everyone feels them no matter where you're at in your career you've probably felt it at some point or you know maybe there's you know i'm sure there's percentage that don't but for the most part people are dealing with stress and anxiety at, at pretty high levels and i do think things like gratitude and and everything that you just mentioned there is really important and you know as i'm thinking through this uh this concept of like this gap of who we are today and who we think we should be, right? And this is going back to shooting all over ourselves, right? And uh, it really brings up this odd juxtaposition where you ask someone, what do you want your career to look like? And they can't articulate that. But then you ask them, well, what's wrong with your current job? And they go, well, I'm not where I should be. And you're like, okay, so where should you be? And they're like, I can't articulate that. And you're like, all right, so <laughs> you know, it's a it's a loop, and uh, you get this really interesting thing happen. And I think that there's this um, I put a note down here called uh, the subjective disconnect because you were talking about the subjective um, mm, subjectivity yeah. of the job search, and the subjective disconnect in my mind is like, it's I I feel like people have this abstract I could be perfect, and this goes back to that binary you know, there's going to be a perfect answer of what my career should be, et cetera. But it's like, I could be perfect. I could have a perfect career, but I'm just not there yet. And maybe this is sold to us. Maybe this is something culturally um, deep, but the truth is, is that there is no perfect career because as soon as you get to a place, it normalizes. And that's one of the great things about being human is that we can pretty much normalize any situation, bad or good. Um, but we get somewhere, it normalizes, and then it plateaus, and then we want to change. And so even the perfect job, the dream job, as every coach says it, um, when you get to the dream job, it's only a dream for a bit, 
and maybe it's 10 years, maybe it's 15, maybe it's five months, but eventually you go, uh oh, there's something else or the team changed or who knows what it is. And, and so we have this, um, this disconnect between who we are today and who we imagine we should be. And I think the hardest part of the job search is that we go out and we interview and we get told no, but we get no feedback. So we, we already have a negative self-perception that might be rooted in some of the you know feelings of failure, feelings of loss and things that we've talked about. Then you go put yourself out there a little bit, get rejected, don't get any feedback. So you go, well, there's now a disconnect between their subjective view of me. So I'm just going to fill it in with my negativity, right? Whereas it might've just been something as simple as, oh, I liked them, but you know, this person works here or something, you know, something really simple. And so you end up with this like huge gap between who you are and who you think you are and this huge gap between what people think of you, but you don't know what they think of you. So you just fill it in with yeah. this, like this, this empty space. How have you sort of seen that come up in with the clients, maybe with imposter syndrome or with any, any number of different things that could have, could, could arise? Yeah. Imposter syndrome is a big deal. And you talk about like this, this lack of feedback. We'll have a quote by Brene Brown. Um, if, if you're familiar with her, it says, in the absence of data, we make up stories, right? And we do that as humans because we're mean making machines. We, 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 someone did something or said something, or we got to know, we're trying to connect the, the, what happened with why that happened. We're trying to create meaning around that. But if we don't have actual factual data uh, or information or actual feedback around that, then we're trying to fill in that space. But, but the truth is, is that oftentimes we're doing that in a way that is, that is unhelpful. So and we do that not just in like, hey, we have an interview and we get a no, or but we do that when we're working and someone says something that we feel is hurtful to us. And instead of considering, you know, why we, we try and figure out why they said it instead of really understanding that or, or looking at just the facts. They said this, were they really trying to hurt us? Maybe, but maybe not. Two, uh, we don't actually know that. Uh, because because we're not in their heads. Um, she also uh, used this idea so many times, like, "Hey, do you think that people that everyone is doing the best that they can?" Right, and that's sometimes a hard question to to answer. Like, do I really feel, especially if we're looking at like people that might have hurt us in the past? or um, we feel wronged by in some way, like are people really doing the best that they can? Um, and she was struggling with like, I don't know, like, like this person's a jerk. They can't be doing the best they can, you know, this, that, and the other. Um, but then uh, she, I think it's still Brene Brown we're talking about. She had this conversation with her husband and he, she asked this question to him. He's like, and he thought about it for a moment. It's like, hmm, I don't know if everyone is, but I think that if I assume that people are doing the best they can, then my life will be better and, and happier. Huh. And that's, that's been interesting for me to, to connect with uh, on a number of ways. So like imposter syndrome, to go back to that, um, I, I've had plenty of people who are like, hey, like I have this feeling of imposter syndrome. Should I take the approach like fake it till I make it? right? Because that doesn't feel authentic. 
to people if they're kind of faking it. Um, and, and I don't really resonate with the whole fake it till you make it idea anyway, but I uh, heard someone else say a, a number of months ago, and I really liked it, this idea, it's not fake it till you make it, but maybe a more positive way of looking at it is practice until you become it. Okay. Like we're never get to going to necessarily get to this point where we have it all figured out that everything's perfect and everything, but we always have room to grow. And so we're just in the state of practicing. We're not faking it. We're practicing. And then eventually more and more practice, we, we gain expertise and, and skills and things we, we learn and grow and, and we become something new um, in almost any area of our, our, our lives. But, but for people who are, who are like me, perhaps, who are recovering perfectionists, um, who are trying to, to deal with, I want to be perfect right now. I've had to come to the point like, hey, the fact that I will never be in that perfect state, um, instead of being really frustrated with that, and like, I, I'm never going to be perfect in whatever area of my life that I really care about or want to be. Um, even that can be looked at as an opportunity. So what, what that means is there's always something for me to grow in. And I can look at that as a positive, not as a negative. So that, that's a cool opportunity for me to look forward towards growth. And I have to keep reminding myself of this, um, but look forward towards growth rather than uh, just frustrated with my lack or, or that gap, like we were talking about earlier. So I just shared a whole lot of concepts there. Maybe we went on too many tangents. No, it's great. I love it. Things we talk about. I love it. I've got notes here. So, uh, so a few things, um, the, the first thing I want to touch on is the last thing you said, we have to keep reminding ourselves of it. Um, and I want to reiterate like your coaches, your therapists, everyone has to keep reminding themselves of these things because it is so easy to just almost get into, I don't know, let's say uh, almost a lazy thinking, which I guess is a bit blameful. Um, but this concept of just like, it's so easy to just assume that people aren't doing their best. Uh, you know, the person, I think it's a, I forget who the writer was, but someone cuts you off on the freeway. You can assume that they're an a-hole or you can assume that they're taking their kid to the hospital. Which one is more helpful yeah. to you? Um, yeah. <laughs> and all of these things, right? And, and so we get into this place where, uh, you know, basically what you're saying is assume good intent, right? Yes, and I think yes. it goes beyond that, like assume good intent in others, but also assume good intent in yourself. So mm -hmm. if everyone else is doing the best that they can, I think maybe one of the reasons we think they aren't is because on some level, we don't think we are right. Well, I, mm. I know I could do better. So that means everyone could do better. So I'm going to project the anger I have for myself towards others. Right. Um, mm. You know, I, I put in all this work and frustrated myself and beat myself up to get this interview. And then you didn't give me the job. So now I'm mad at you. Right. And yeah. it is this sort of, it, it just degrades the whole process. It erodes everything. And so it's not ultimately helpful where, you know, let's say you had a day and I was, I was helping someone plan out their day today and they were getting really caught up in like, you know, they use a Pomodoro technique and they were mm -hmm. like, I need to do the, I need to do five, five Pomodoros today. And then I can, you know, go to yoga and all these other things. And it was really cool how they were putting it all together and, and laying it all out. And bef right before we ended the call, I go, and if you only hit 75% success rate with all this stuff, 
be happy with it. <laughs> like managing the expectation of like, again, overcoming that perfectionism, because if you shoot for, you know, a hundred percent and don't hit it and then beat yourself up for doing 75, that's, you know, counterproductive, so much more counterproductive. And so giving ourselves a little bit of that, um, good intent as well. And, and I do think that a lot of people, they, they just think I should be a machine. I should be able to work with no sleep and work with no sunshine and work with no, um, food. I don't, I don't even know. It's like, I, I, we hit this point where people, you go online, you hear everything, but people say like, you're finding a job should be your full-time job. And I always lament that on this podcast. Cause I'm like, you really think that you could be your own boss and not drive yourself insane for eight hours a day. Like <laughs> that's just, you're going to be a bad employee and a bad boss and you're going to burn yourself out. And I, I always say like, sit down and do the job search one day and see at what point monitor yourself. At what point do you get exhausted? At what point do you get tired? Mm -hmm. At what point can you not do this anymore? And then make that, do that for a few days, find the average, and then maybe make that your goal. Um, yeah. Because I'd much rather you do two hours a day for a whole week than eight hours one day and nothing for two weeks, you know? Mm -hmm. And this is that sort of, you know, I think tuning in with ourselves and bringing in the all the different aspects of what we're talking about. It's how we think about ourselves, how we physically experience it, how we emotionally experience it and bringing all those pieces together so that we can continue to remain in forward momentum and not get stuck and not move backwards. Cause I think that again, it's so easy to just go back to the bad thing. That's comfortable, <laughs> but to yeah. keep moving forward. Um, so as you think about all these different aspects, you know, and, and we think about this idea of growing up, I, I think this question is quite fun because it's, what do I want to be when I grow up as though being grown up is a single spot that you reach like, Oh, when I, I, you know, I was talking to a 50 year old yesterday and they were like, what, you know, I'm still trying to figure out what I want to be when I grow up. I'm like, yeah, we're all grown ups. I don't know. I don't know what to break it to you. We already are the things we are ourselves. Yeah. It's like, what do I want to be? It's you already are the things. Maybe stop trying to figure out what you are and just relax into it, you know? And I'm curious as you sort of think about that question, it's like, if it's not going to be a, a single point of I'm grown up and now I'm there, what's maybe a simpler way to conceptualize it so that people can relax a little bit or, or just kind of take this all in stride. Yeah. It's a, it's a tough place to be because, or, or, or think about because this idea of being a lot of times in the context of what we're talking about is usually in a career, like what's the, the role, like, what do I want to be when I grew up? That's, that's usually what people are thinking about when they think about that question. I want to be a firefighter or an astronaut or a lawyer or a doctor or this, that, or the other, right? Or an engineer. But that a, a career title or role or situation is just one piece of who we are as a person, Right. But we often internalize that way too much as part of who our, what our identity is, which is part of why I named my, my company more than engineering, because I'm talking to engineers, but, but I want engineers and, and technology professionals to think that you are more than just like what this, this thing is. Like we want to look at the whole person here, right? So when you think about what do I want to be, 
Yeah, asking yourself that question, what do you want to be? Not just like the title you want to be, but what kind of person? What kind of uh, spouse or partner? What kind of brother or sister or friend or community member, right? What, what sort of em employee or, or colleague do you want to be? Um, and, and, and so rather than sometimes like, you know, compressing it, sometimes I want to look at like, okay, what's the, what's the person that you want to be, right? And, and, and the whole person um, and, and driven by values that you can identify, right? And, and it's not that you're going to, again, it's not going to be at this point where like suddenly you've arrived, but if we can live our li lives driven more that we need to keep reminding ourselves of the purpose, the reason why we care about these things, what's important to us and continue to make decisions based on that, then we're much more likely to be driven in a, to a point of, you know, becoming uh, a person that, that we are proud of and, and others might be proud of, but, but that we are proud of who we have become and the ways that we have grown and, and developed, uh, certainly in our careers, and, and in other aspects of life. So I just want to broaden that and say, hey, like we're all on kind of this, this journey, give other people, you know, assume positive intent in others, assume positive intent in ourselves, and, but, but keep trying to identify those things that, that you really care about and who you want to become and make decisions based on that. And over time, we're going to keep making progress. And uh, if we're intentional about this, but if we just let life and, and careers and, and situations happen to us, then we might not grow as much as we otherwise could. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I love everything you're saying there, because it really, you know, it comes down to this picture in our head of, again, what it is versus what it should be versus what is reality, right? And I was chatting with someone the other day, and they asked, like, is it okay to not want a ton of responsibility in my career and I was like yeah <laughs> you know you think I'm gonna work with a career coach I'm gonna make so much more money it's like maybe working with a career coach is reassessing your time or your energy or your you know how your career fits into your life and and your hobbies and your family and things like that and they sort of just hit a point where they're like you know no one's pushing me to make more money. I don't need to necessarily make more money. I just feel like I should be doing that. And I was like, for what goal? If it takes you away from the things that you actually want in life, right? And there's plenty yeah. of examples of people. As a matter of fact, the majority of people are not the CEO of the company, are not the, you know, founder. Very few. Of the, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, literally, it's a bell curve, right? Like, it's okay to be in the average. <laughs> like maybe you don't want to be at the bottom of the average, but you don't necessarily have to be unhappy with where you're at when you're doing well. And I think that's maybe one of the hardest parts of the of our careers is just thousands of people who are doing well who don't actually have any real problems going on but feel like there's a problem because of whatever the expectations internally, externally that there are. And so I think it's, I appreciate you kind of going through all these different ways to rethink and reframe because there's so many different ways we can do this. There's, there's no one single path. What are your final yeah, thoughts on it, that? Yeah. So I just think of a, a few of my clients that I've worked with. Like, I think I mentioned earlier, like I have one who is like, I want to find my happy place. 
And, and we did some of that. He thought that finding his happy place was like a new career position. He thought, and, and we had the idea that we were going to work on that. But I work with people on, on mindsets and kind of how they, they view things. He had had some pretty negative and tough career situations up to this point. He'd been in his career like 25 years. He had some tough things and he, he had some pretty, uh, some experiences that kind of left him down on, it, on his self-image in a lot of ways. And what we realized in the end is, is like by the time we finished working together, he still had some more work that he was going to be doing after the fact. He hadn't changed positions, but he had changed how he was operating in his current situation. So it wasn't that the grass is going to be greener on the mm-hmm. other side, but who he was in his situation changed. And he was in a much happier place compared to him thinking that he needed to get to a different place to be happier. Right. And so it's not that. And then, by the way, a few months later, he he did find a a new role that that he's really enjoying even more and and he's thriving there even more. But but he changed himself first. Right. And and we can do that, like, uh, you know, change ourselves. So 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 coaches, therapists and others, you know, there is a difference, as Mm -hmm. as we know. Very much. Um, But, uh, you know, these people in our life and, and even just family or friends that can support us. And, and help us through things. Um, you know, we, we can get that that support. And we don't need to subscribe to other people or society or, or other expectations setting goals for us. We can identify what we really care about. And if making more money than everyone else is not what we care about, totally fine. That you know, plenty of people that make a lot of money that aren't that happy or satisfied with their lives. And, you know, and not that money's bad, but. You know, you can, if you can identify what care matters to you, then you can make decisions in your life based on that and, and grow accordingly. I think it's a perfect spot to end on. If people want to find out more about what you're doing, Jeff, where should they go? Yeah, thanks, Martin. So I put together a thing just for listeners of the Career Therapy Podcast, um, a, a, a page they can go at www.engineeringcareeraccelerator.com slash career therapy. And they do need to put those W's in there to, to make it work. But but for uh, it, it's called my career clarity checklist. So a lot of the things that we were talking about today to, to allow them to have some, some resources, some exercise and things. And this isn't a one-time deal, but, but it's something you can do today. And then you can go back in a month or a year or a few years from now, some of these activities to help continue to refresh as we go through these different stages of our of our careers and and understand what's most important to you so if you're not sure how to figure this out we've talked about this thing pretty high level this career clarity checklist can help you move through some of those exercises to identify that for you so again www.engineeringcareeraccelerator.com slash career therapy pretty active on linkedin can also go to my website at morethaneng.com to see some more uh, resources and things but uh, and and final thing i'm throwing way too many things at you um, any other podcast listeners, I host uh, another podcast for especially for engineers and technology people, the Engineering Career Coach podcast. Go check that out if you're interested. So thanks for having me. It's been so much fun. Thanks for joining us, Jeff. And all those links will be in the description for everyone to check out. Again, thank you for your time and for sharing your insights. I think there are some really cool things in here for people to take away.
Thanks for joining us for today's episode. If you found this conversation to be helpful, please like and subscribe wherever you are listening. We also appreciate it if you take the time to leave us a review on iTunes. It really does help us spread the word and get these ideas out to more job seekers looking to build their careers and improve their lives just like you. If you'd like to learn more about career therapy and see our different coaching options, you can head over to careertherapy.com to learn more. Thank you again for stopping by. We wish you all the best in the future of your career. Have a good one.